Hello and welcome to Cocktails, Mocktails, and Crime. We're your hosts, Jill, Gracia, Dave, and Steve. Yeah, so Steve <laughs> hesitated because Dad's not here today because apparently we're recording um, sort of like after work tonight and he thinks he needs to be in bed by like seven or some shit like that. It was He's super early. Such That's being what a little snowflakes bitch. do. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. I guess I shouldn't call him a bitch. We'll just call him a snowflake. <laughs> But um, we don't have a special guest, except for that we did give Craig a microphone, so that should really help. Yes, yay. I'm temporarily promoted, so yay in the big leagues. You're going to be super promoted next week. <laughs> you, do not, you do not get a raise, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, Gracia, so what is the drink of the week this week? Uh, this time, uh, if you listened last week, you knew that my red raspberry syrup did not come in in time. So I wanted to do a recipe with it that's a little... Different and a little sweet for Dave because he loves sweet stuff. So I was trying to do a mocktail that was the best. So we did the Knickerbocker. I found it a recipe on Spruce Eats. Knickerbocker is a drink from the early 1800s that New York used to do all the time. It is a rum triple sec raspberry syrup with uh, lime juice. Put some fresh raspberries, some fresh lime, and then top a little bit of ginger ale. That's I think very, it's yummy. It's very good. Do you call it something different when you put a lot of ginger ale on top because you don't really like the true Knickerbocker? Mm. Um, we added extra ginger ale, everybody. It was a little too sweet for us, but Dave, how do you feel about your mocktail? Yeah, it's good. I, I, I Yeah, it's not too sweet, um, but I actually like sour, too. So. Oh, good. Yeah. So we'll try some sour stuff, too. Yeah. Cool. I love this. I think this might be my favorite drink that we've done, actually, so far. I think it's really good. It's quite refreshing. And I don't taste the alcohol. I know you said... Yeah, the first time I took a sip, I tasted the rum, but it might have just been the way that I mixed it because I didn't taste it after that now. Yeah. It reminds me of uh, Mai Tai. Okay, no. 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 <laughs> in Not what way, alcohol. Steve? <laughs> I haven't had a Mai Tai in a long time. <laughs> Mai Tai is next week. <laughs> we could definitely do Mai Tai. Oh, that's you, Craig. Yeah, Dad likes yep. Mai Tai, so. Oh, he does. Oh, he's not allowed. He has to drink cheap red wine. That's the rule. He's cut <laughs> off. We'll do the Mai Tai next week. <laughs> you guys will have to. You guys are on your own, though, Grace. Yeah, we can do Mai Tais where we are. That's right. <laughs> if you're doing the drink, we'll do the drink there. All right. <laughs> We're ready to go then, guys? I think so. You want to kick us off? I will. This week is Patricia Olson. Um, she is a woman from Lanesboro, Massachusetts, that convinces her children to help her kill their stepfather. I just want to say for one second. My fucking kids won't do shit for me. Like, I can't even get them to take out the fucking trash, right? So I'm und- I haven't heard the whole story, but I'm a little bit feeling like t- for a few reasons she might be my hero. Mm. Just saying. But she had to tell somebody not mow the lawn. I mean, you know. It is a, she has a good point, though. You can't even get your I'm, kids sometimes to put the dishes in the dishwasher, I'm and this kinda, woman can get murder, right? I'm, I'm kind of curious how Craig feels right now. I mean. <laughs> I just appreciate my children right now. <laughs> I love you Same. all. Hugs and kisses. <laughs> all right, let's kick it off. A relationship between a mother and their child is special. For myself and for many, the maternal bond is strong and a big part of who we are. It is something you feel, unwavering in the fact that your love is constant and not dependent on anything. Even when a relationship is strained, it remains. No matter where life brings you, your mother is always your mother. We all have our stories about our own mothers and perhaps about being a mother yourself. It is not an easy job, but its rewards are unmatched by any other. We're going to head back to January of 2005. Patricia Olson is a 42-year-old mother of two children. 
Unlike other mothers, she is planning a murder and intends on killing, on using her children as the weapons. She is manipulating, cold, and calculating. Her children are merely the pawns in her goal for the perfect life. How did she get to this point? Let's take a look back on her life. Patricia was born in 1963. Guess where she was raised, guys? Uh, Fall River. You say it was Fall River. <laughs> Close. Bennington, Vermont. Oh! I was about to say Vermont. 50-50 shot. <laughs> it was. <laughs> and Bennington, uh, Dave and I looked up last night. It's kind of in the bottom corner of New York, Massachusetts, and um, Vermont. So like in that little section there, so if you can picture. She is the youngest of a family of all girls. She was brilliant. So much so, she graduated high school at the age of 16. She had plans for going to college, but never would make it there. Patricia married at the age of 18 to James Robinson. In 1984, she would have her first child, Christopher. A quick 14 months later, she had her second child, Amanda. However, not long after Amanda was born, Patricia's husband filed for divorce. He was granted full custody of the children. Yikes. This, to me, was super weird, because, I mean... Usually, in order to lose your kids, you have to be, like, a crack addict. Mm. Or worse, right? Or usually worse, yeah. Yeah, because moms are the number one that courts want to give them to, you know? Yeah. So that was really definitely especially true back in the 80s. I mean, you know. Yeah, kids need their moms is kind of like a thing that the courts believe, you know? Yeah. Dads, eh. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) They do need them. I'm just kidding, guys. Um, This is. I actually see where the courts are coming from, though, to be honest with you. (laughs) So. <laughs> They're more nurturing, right? And I yeah. guess, you know. Uh, this was rare in the 1980s for a father to be granted custody over the mother. But due to her being a stay-at-home mom, the court stated that she was financially unable to provide for the children. Patricia decided to take on some odd jobs, but needed more money if she was ever going to survive and get the kids back. So at the age of 27, she was eager to start her new life. She gets a job as a secretary bookkeeper for a company called Lenco in Pittsfield, Pittsfield Massachusetts. Not Pittsfield. <laughs> Pittsfield, guys. Sorry. Uh, Lenko is the company that makes armored cars. You guys have probably seen them everywhere. Um, so I guess they're based out of Pittsfield, which is great because she got uh, a lot of business. Um, however, she was commuting every day from Bennington to Pittsfield, and you can kind of picture that in the map. That's a, it's a killer commute. She decides this is too much and makes the move to Pittsfield permanently. Working as a bookkeeper, she was responsible for payments of vendors. A graphics maker who had been hired by the company named Neil Olson was quickly infatuated with Patricia. So much so he told his friends that she was the woman he was going to marry and it was love at first sight. It was hard to say whether Patricia did or was even capable of loving anybody. Neil or otherwise. But Neil loved this town. Oh, was loved in town, sorry. Neil was loved in town. A popular man who had financial success and as such Patricia was agreeable to the relationship despite the fact that he was 21 years older than her. Mm-hmm. She's 27, he's 48. That's creepy. I don't yeah. know. I feel like that's how much older. Craig, <coughs> <laughs> are you twenty? How much? What is the age difference? I'll say it again. That's creepy. It's eight years, and I sometimes feel like you know that's just about exactly right. Uh, My best friend Ellen, her husband's like twenty years older than her, though. Okay. That's a little excessive. You know Ray, and you love him. Twenty is a lot of years. I thought. Like Dave and I were talking about it last night. Yeah, I I don't think like. I mean, when you think about where somebody is in life, just to have something in common to talk to, I can't imagine having a 25-year-old, you know, uh, or uh, for me, it'd be even like 22. 
So <laughs> you would prefer twenty two or well, 20? no, that would be twenty two. <laughs> recruiting at the local high school. You did just say for me. <laughs> 22. Well, 21, 21 minus, uh, 43 minus 21. I think Dave's in giving some time. We were talking about it last night. Like, you're literally talking about he was drinking on the day you were born. Like, that's a crazy... Well, the way I look at it, though, is, so if I'm 20 years older than my wife, what I'm really saying is, go ahead and enjoy the last 30 years of your life after your husband dies. Mm. I wouldn't do that to my wife. So you'd have her suffer the last half of your life? Yeah, she's coming to the grave with me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So they dated five years before marrying in 1994, the year we graduated high school. Whoop, whoop. Uh, me and Jill, that is, guys. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know about the rest of you guys. Yeah, it was three years later. Three uh, years later? Wow. Yeah. Such a spring chicken. <laughs> Uh, they have a beautiful wedding on Neil's property in Lanesboro, Massachusetts. Uh, Lanesboro is a suburb right outside Pittsfield. <clears throat> he cleared some of the land and built a beautiful area for this momentous day. Patricia's children are visiting for the wedding weekend. While they're all together, Patricia starts thinking. She wants her kids living with her, and now she has the means to do so. The battle for custody ensues. Neil is footing the bill, of course, but he's determined to get the kids. He wants to make his wife happy and become a family. They, fi- uh, they finally won the case in 1998. Chris is the age of 14, and the Andi- Amanda is the age of 12. They move from Vermont to Massachusetts and start their life. Hmm. This is where everything goes wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Chris and Amanda almost immediately start getting in trouble. Patricia, who is happy to have them, doesn't want to ruffle any feathers. This makes Neil play the disciplinarian rule. However, his punishments were very unorthodox. For example... One time when Chris was in trouble, Nick had, sorry, Neil had Chris dig a large hole. The hole was not only large in size, but it was full of heavy rocks and such. Once Chris finished, Neil simply said, now fill it back in and walked into the house. Ooh, douchebag. Like, no purpose for even this? Like, I get if you want to throw some manual labor in there, because God knows when, like, I've had a fight been like, mow the lawn. But, like, I didn't, like, take the grass and then dump it back. You know what I mean? Like... (laughs) (laughs) That's shitty. Yeah, what yeah. a D-bag. He, he's, he definitely sounds like a very obsessive, compulsive person. Like, you know, most of us don't marry, uh, meet somebody and say, you know what, I think I'm going to get married to this person that I just met five minutes ago. Oh, Craig did that. Wow. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much exactly it. So. <laughs> Aside of Craig. <laughs> Aside of Craig. Craig yeah. and this crazy guy, Neil. No. <laughs> No, there are probably other people. But the fact that he was so obsessed right away, he actually, like, suggested moving in on the first date. And she did. She moved in, like, I didn't put that part in there, but she moved in with a caveat that she could move out whenever she wants. But after your first date, I would not move in with anybody. Like, living with somebody is very different from figuring out who they are. But Patricia doesn't make the best decisions, as we know, in this life, so... Mm. Another example of Neil's discipline is when Amanda got caught smoking, he decided to remove her bedroom door permanently. This one I had a huge issue with, right? (laughs) Like you have a teenage girl living in your house who's not your daughter and you just took away her one mode of privacy? Yeah. You have to treat kids like they're human beings. You have to respect them. I mean, we're not, unfortunately, I know it's come up a few times, Craig and I are not strict disciplinarians at all. We prefer to like respect our children and then have conversations with them as opposed to 
punishing or grounding or anything. We've never even grounded our kids. We don't even know how to do that. But yeah, can't imagine taking a door. It's from a teenage girl. Like that part of it right there was like, oh, I would have hated you forever. Remember when that happened on Shit's Creek and they were wicked upset? Yes, I do. Shit's Creek reference. <laughs> I loved that show. Uh, in high school, Chris and Amanda both started using cocaine. Evidently, uh, right next to New York there, so I bet you could get it. I no, mean, Western Mass has a shit ton of drugs in it, too. Yeah. yeah. That's a, all those small towns, like rural communities. Sure. Yeah. It's more affluent than you would know. Yeah, right? it is. Yeah. Definitely is, yeah. Uh, academically, things are also not going well. Chris is failing all of his classes. Neil and Patricia are called in and notified that he is two years behind in his credits. Chris never even bothers to attend school anyway, so they decide to have him drop out of school. Chris they, is told... Sorry? They had him drop out? Yeah. <laughs> it's like funny, right? When that came up, Patricia even said, so we made the decision to withdraw him from school. I'm like, no, he decided long before that. Hmm. You just said he never goes anyways. Yeah, I mean, he, he clearly wasn't going, but... So how old was he at that time, though? He was supposed to be a junior, but he they had told him he was only going to go back to freshman year because he is two years behind in his credits so like, in massachusetts i guess the reason i'm asking is in massachusetts you can only drop out without your parents signature if you're over 16 i think it is oh he might have been close let's go yeah. up when did uh but but what oh sorry we're missing the point here what fucking parents sit down and go you know mm. this kid should be a dropout like <laughs> <Yeah>. right <laughs> Read the one thing actually, but oh my god, you would be surprised, right? Well, don't tell Jesse because he wanted to drop out, and we were like, No, (laughs) Megan was in a a funny side story. Megan was in like you know, like that senior advisory class, and um, there was a kid in her class, she was a junior, and he was a senior. And the teacher was like, You know, oh, so what are you gonna do, Ray, after you graduate? He's like, Dude, I'm trying to get out now. Like, he's like what he's like it's your senior year like you could just finish he's like yeah I feel like that's too long I'm trying to get out now I've already filed the paperwork to drop out I'm just going to work with my dad at the auto shop which is fine work with just, your dad but just wait the rest of the year like what's it really going to kill you it's yeah, really. still an admirable profession just wait till you finish high school and, and kids make stupid decisions yeah parents should be making smart ones but... I shouldn't have said the kid's name sorry that's okay whatever he's an adult now and out. you know we could say stories about Ray in the next episode. <laughs> well, maybe all... they'll think it's Ray Ellen's husband. Mm. Maybe. Maybe. Hey, well, you just said it's not. So. <laughs> <laughs> Here, I'm thinking. Craig, it's take out that him. line, and it is. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So Chris is told that he needs to get a job in order to stay in the house. He bounces around from employer to employer, never really finding his place in life. His mom even hires and fires him from her new restaurant. It's called Mrs. O's. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Sorry, go back. Go ahead. She fired him? Yep, stealing out of the register. Because two of my children work for me, and sometimes I've been like... "Mm." (laughs) So you're inspired by this story of firing. I'm telling you. This story is inspiring. This woman is my motherfucking hero. Yeah, the parallels are frightening, aren't they? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Go on, I'm getting my notepads. I take some fucking notes. But evidently, Dave and I found out in a side note that you can go visit this woman and she's open to interviews. Perfect. Nice. So if you would <laughs> like to, right yeah, MCI framing him, we could yeah. probably uh, put her in and listen to her story. 
Um, yeah, we. I mean, there's nothing wrong with hearing somebody else's side of it, right? Oh, shit. And then calmly let her out of the house. I feel like this would be a Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> Might be a Zoom. Well, that's true. Yeah. Well, you know, it, when Dave and I were talking about it last night, we thought it might actually be interesting to just hear her point. You know, yeah. like, um, there was a thing saying she takes any and all interviews. So, well, legit, what else does she fucking have to do? Right? And Wouldn't I, you if I you were in jail? I can see us being oh, yeah, yeah, that if makes I was sense. in jail, I would be so bored. Yeah. I mean, you know. Wouldn't you, like, make up stories, though? I think I would. I feel like this a lot is going to be do, a, yeah. a heavy edited episode. But honestly, <laughs> I'd be getting tips because, <laughs> seriously... <laughs> And then what did you say next? <laughs> yeah, exactly. How exactly what? did you fire your children? How exactly did you get them to commit murder? Yeah. Like, because mine it. don't. Did, did you ever get them to sweep the floor? Like, <laughs> <laughs> did they ever help with housework? Ever? Did, did you have them clean their rooms? <laughs> did you talk to them one on one or together? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So finally, at age nineteen, Chris is kicked out of the house. He becomes homeless, and he starts living in his car. Aww. When Amanda turns 18, she also decides she cannot live there any longer. She moves to upstate New York with her boyfriend. This leaves Patricia again without the family she claims to want altogether. Now, the day of the incident is an interesting story, um, mostly because I heard it told like four different ways, but I really liked the way that the Oxygen series Snapped did it. They kind of told Patricia's side, and then they went to the court case, and I like that, so that's how I'm going to tell the story. I hope you guys like that, too. All right. <clears throat> and what if we don't? Uh, you're out of luck, Steve. <laughs> My story. <laughs> oh, I uh, think you should tell her, Steve, right? As we, I, remind me later, I have a butt-chugging comment to mention. <laughs> Who, okay. Who's butt-chugging? <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> Oh, I know, Steve, last week you missed it. She served us mineral water. I did. Oh, sweet. I did last week. But she imported from Mexico. <laughs> imported mineral water from drink Mexico. <laughs> it's delicious. Michael's been drinking it all week. He's like, I love this shit. <laughs> all right. So this story begins on the night of January 9th, 2005. Patricia says that she and Neil were watching TV and having wine. She claims to have two to four glasses. Can't remember. <laughs> Same girl. So more than four. <laughs> more than four. But then uh, she's not feeling well, of course, right? So she decides to take three Tylenol PM and head up to bed. It's about 11 p.m. Neil, as usual, was going to the barn to take care of his horse, Hannah. Patricia immediately fell into a deep sleep and did not wake until morning. She thought nothing as she woke up and Neil was not in bed next to her. She figured he must have gotten up early to go to work. Neil runs a shop out of the garage barn and often went to work the next morning. To get stuff done. Patricia decides to make herself a cup of coffee and phone her restaurant. She asks the worker to make two breakfast sandwiches and bring them to the house. This part right here, if you called me as your waitress and told me to make you two sandwiches and drive them over to your house, hmm. how much am I getting paid? $2.63 an hour? Pre-DoorDash, I guess you're saying. I guess. It just doesn't sound like something I would have wanted to do. Yeah, I would have been have an asshole, it. though. I'm not an asshole in general, but I might have been an asshole as a worker sometimes. Who knows? You might meet the most interesting person. You might, Steve. Mm. That is true. <laughs> Somebody famous just said that. <laughs> the, <laughs> the employee. Know. You, you, you know, having a boss is different. Like, you know, it's like 
yeah, when you're a kid especially and probably working at this restaurant, I, I just don't see myself like at 17, you know, uh, being that accommodating to an no, authority No, I'm leaving figure. work and bringing you breakfast sandwich. Get the fuck up and get it yourself. Yeah, so, I'll make them and have them ready for when you arrive. Ready. <laughs> but drive them over to your house for you and your husband? Probably not happening in my life. <clears throat> yeah, I wouldn't have done it. <laughs> Although the employee does as requested. <laughs> Upon her arrival, Patricia then heads towards the barn to deliver Neil his sandwich. Upon entering, she sees Neil laying on the ground. She says she says she then drops to the ground and calls 911. She immediately starts to blame the horse in the 911 call. Hmm. <laughs> Sorry. Is the horse just standing there like, not me? <laughs> not, not me, dude. <laughs> uh, the first to arrive on the crime scene was the chief of police. He enters the barn and listens to Patricia recite the story we just said. Looking at the body, he begins to assess the crime scene. Neil was laying on the ground, obviously dead. His head was bashed in, and he was laying in a very large pool of blood. Neil's horse, Hannah, was going crazy. She was circling and making a lot of noise. He begins to wonder if Patricia was right. Could a horse actually do this? However, that is short-lived. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> he literally only contemplates it for under 10 minutes. These cops are actually pretty good. I would make fun of them normally, but... But for 10 minutes, they were like, maybe the horse committed murder. <laughs> this yeah. horse is acting pretty <laughs> Pretty crazy. Well, the horse was covered in blood. But of course, like most animals, if their owner gets hurt, they go over to it. You know, and it's pretty brutal. His head has been beat in. You know, we're going to find out in a moment that he was shot seven times and then beat with a pipe. The horse did it. <laughs> There's the a shit ton of blood. The horse. <laughs> well, immediately once he gets close okay. to the body and sees this, he's like, no. For ten minutes, they thought it could yeah. have been a horse. Yep. We did have a wicked smart dog for a while. Maybe, mm. I don't know if the horse is Maybe he would like, watch Mr. Ed a lot. I have no idea. <laughs> Maybe he's from Pittsfield. <laughs> or Fall Probably River. From, yeah, Vermont. They, you know, we never know. No, the, if there was a Fall River police, they would never have figured out that the horse no. did <laughs> I mean, they've just been, they've been like doing a paraffin test. I'm just wondering how they're going to do the hoof prints. <laughs> Me and Dave were talking about this last night, that if it was Fall River, like they solved this case in like less than 24 hours. It would have been like two weeks, even yeah. though it's the dumbest case ever. <laughs> or those cops in Vermont who took pictures and then were like, boy, that's weird. But I got vacation. So. <laughs> vacation time, guys. I'll see you in Florida. I could see Hannah in a police lineup. All right, man, which one did it? <laughs> Can you nay? <laughs> raise your hoof. All right. As the chief begins to examine the scene more, he notices that Neil's pockets are turned out of his pants. By the horse. Yeah. <laughs> she needed like, some money. Pants, motherfucker. <laughs> I like these cops so much. <laughs> so fun. I, I need more hay. <laughs> Steve, the accident that was great. Well, hey, free yo. Hey, free yo. <laughs> <laughs> he also finds shell casings from a twenty-two. The police then begin to see how long they've been there. Were they part of the murder, or were they part of? Yeah, I mean, who doesn't have like <laughs> random shell casings on there? You if know? you're a hunter, I'm sure you do shooting in the yard. Uh, I mean, in the barn. 
<laughs> Next to a dead body. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's got something to do with the hole in his head. <laughs> On one of the books I was reading, it's like this is nah, the, the, s- <laughs> the second murder ever in this town. So they went into it thinking it was just like eh, a horse. He's not really dead. Like, but then when they got there, like, oh shit, he's, he's actually really dead. dead. <laughs> he's not he's, playing. <laughs> shit, he's actually dead. So they called the state police, and at this point, so it's been like an hour or two. It's not long. But he calls the state police and says, oh, fuck. Um, the horse did it. At least he called the state police. Like, look at Molly Bish, where it took 24 hours yeah. or however long to call the state police because they were like, she ran away. True, but there were no horses on the beach. There the were no time. horses. <laughs> no animals to falsely accuse. Or rightfully. <laughs> the best part is that his dog the whole time was just laying right next to him, mm. would not get up. I'm glad it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> Poor dog. But He's... they didn't investigate the dog? Nope. Dog's innocent. No blood on him. He just laid there. <laughs> just being loyal. Uh, so the state police are pal- uh, called in. Local and state police then start to search the premise. They head around back of the barn and they... Oh, it's January, so don't forget there's snow. Okay. So they head around back and notice there are footprints. The snow leads away from the barn and towards the woods. The police follow these until they reach a blood-soaked pipe just sitting in the snow. Oh, weird. <laughs> like, I'm going to just leave a trail to mm. the murder weapon, guys. <laughs> this is how smart I am. Clue one, it wasn't the horse. Mm. It's not too far from the property. You could actually still see the barn from where it is. <laughs> not a smart one. <laughs> the horse is wearing Nikes. <laughs> He just put it out there and came right back. He was like, this is far enough. This is far enough. Uh, The police now have some more questions for Patricia. They head back inside the home. Patricia immediately starts starts crying again and is visibly upset. She starts to rant a bit, saying things like the horse needs to be put down. (laughs) (laughs) That poor horse. (laughs) How she has always hated the horse and knew something like this would happen. She even calls the horse a bitch. Can't trust Hannah with a pipe. And, and bitches get stitches, motherfucker. <laughs> Patricia says she has already called somebody to put the horse down. <laughs> that poor thing. It's been like an hour. Like what? This is probably true because it sounds like a, like a really good Scooby Doo episode where they Doesn't eventually it? pull the horse head off and reveal <laughs> two people Mr. in the Winters. horse. <laughs> No, this is the part that me and Dave kept thinking, did crackheads plan this? Like, let's be honest here before we keep going. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they do have, or at least the son is known to have a history of cocaine. And this is what cocaine does to your brain. It really fucks it up. Like, the idea of framing a horse for murder doesn't seem that irrational if you're always using crack and you know, snorting coke. So was the Patricia a crack user too? <laughs> we don't know. No, I mean, I know she, when she found marijuana from the kids, she would use it and then punish them for it, which they always thought was like, um, "You didn't get me good shit." <laughs> Calling the kettle. You know what I mean? Like, well, what you're about... gonna take it from me, smoke it, and then punish me for my pot? So were the cops using? Crack and cocaine. <laughs> they could have been as well. <laughs> it's Pittsfield. I mean, if you were a cop in Pittsfield, what better did things do you actually have to do? I just don't understand how you entertain this the horse did it idea for more than like 12 seconds. Can you imagine being this cop and just listening to her? Because, like, I picture the cops just looking at her like, what the fuck? <laughs> 
<laughs> right? Because this whole commentary, she's just ranting and raving. She's a bitch. We gotta. I'm ta- I called somebody. They're coming to put her down. And the cops are like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> like, we need she's to interrogate the yes. suspect. <laughs> Let's have a conversation. Until we have here. a polygraph. <laughs> That's fucked up. Uh, so the fact that she called to have somebody already put down the strikes the police is very peculiar, and they immediately like put like a protection order on the horse kind of thing. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> they put her in witness protection. <laughs> Change her name. Send her to a farm in Iowa. <laughs> they decide to call an emergency horse shelter, they which the exists. Name I, guess. <laughs> I know. There, I know. There's like an emergency horse shelter just in case something. Just in someone case something happens. Their horse for murder. And evidently this is someone who the police work with, which is even funnier. So she arrives and they ask her to evaluate the horse because they're like, come on, can this like a psychological evaluation? It's exactly what she does. (laughs) They hold up a picture. What do you see? (laughs) Does the same blood strike you? are we talking about guys <laughs> <laughs> this story is so funny i mean it's horrible it is a horrible story yeah, but it's is always so bad, but this is funny weird. yeah it was funny dave and i were talking last night that we thought there wouldn't be much conversation about but it would be a funny case because it's like the blame the horse like, who thinks of this like you know what let's do this murder yeah dude we're gonna blame the horse I mean, yeah here's a pipe that's how you do it no. And they're going to steal his money anyway, so you might think that, hey, maybe we should just make this look like a botched robbery. Yeah. But no, we'll steal his money, leave it clear that we stole his money, and then frame the horse. <laughs> make the no horse one look will like ever a big figure it out. I like these people. They're fucking funny, right? <laughs> These people would be a riot. <laughs> we got to go to MCI framing him, guys. Um, so. The shelter's called in. She arrives, and they ask her to evaluate the horse. That's what we write. The shelter worker then tells the police the horse did not do it. (laughs) She says the horse is 31 years of age, and it is impossible for the horse to lift her legs up that high. It's impossible for the horse to shoot a gun. We're pretty sure of this. Well, the horse is that age, anyway. We don't know the the gun part yet. We don't know about the... uh, Because she can't pick her leg up high enough to do it. What the fuck did they do to that horse in the barn? The horse is 31, so she's elderly. So she's like, there's no way this horse even did this. The, The horse wouldn't... She's too old. She just is chilling. Why are all these people really contemplating? <laughs> right? The horse shot and beat a man. <laughs> and then hit the pipe. And then, <laughs> in her Nikes. That she then had to walk backwards so she could get back in the barn. With no blood anywhere. But the... <laughs> and then pick the pockets. <laughs> Turning them out. Oh, Christ. She there does. are way too many stupid people in this story. <laughs> In addition, she said... And the horse is not one of them. (laughs) Hannah's is the smartest one of the whole fucking bunch. No, the dog. Like the horse therapist is like, lift your right leg. Now your left leg. I mean, the horse is probably like, fuck off. Dude, Dude, I just watched my owner get fucking killed. Get me the fuck out of here. I'm next. She just said it. (laughs) I fucking heard her. That cut is coming for me. Not only did she kill him, she's going to kill me. Actually, that's a good point, Gracia. The horse could be lying. (laughs) The horse could be lying. (laughs) This is a giant circle of lies. 
Um, Weird story, guys. Oh, maybe she went to talk to the horse to kill the guy, and the horse was like, no, I'm not doing it, and then she killed him. Yeah. Yeah, he could have been one of the people she, she could be solicited. Crazy. Yeah, and then now she's blaming the horse. We will find out that she solicited many people. Um, <laughs> she also says that the horse's behavior demonstrates okay. <laughs> that it has witnessed a stressful event, not participated in one. Okay. She believes the horse saw the crime and is reacting to watching somebody attacking its owner. She says the loyalty of the horse and the relationship of the horse and owner leads her to believe this is why it was circling and scared and freaking out. It's not that it killed it. Fucked up story, man. Yep. So in the meantime, there's still some police inside questioning Patricia because why the fuck not? We got a lot of police here now, right? We got state, we got local uh, they're asking her things like, "Do does Neil have any enemies?" Blah 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 blah. And all she says is that there's a friend that did some work on their restaurant that did a bad job in their swingum, so she thought maybe it could be him. But the cops are like, "Over some money in a lawsuit? No, we're not going to even look at that." Okay, person. wait a minute. Wait a minute. It seems to me that it's more reasonable that someone over a lawsuit and money would commit murder <laughs> than, than a, a horse. Fucking horse. <laughs> Yep. Wait a minute. <laughs> we entertain the horse much longer. Trust me. It's weird. I mean, I guess because she's bashed in. They don't know the gunshots yet. They think those shells could be for some, from something else, from just practice shooting or whatever. <laughs> they don't pay attention to the fact oh, that they're yeah, shots. I mean, he shot himself. He did get his practice in. He's getting his so. practice shots in, yeah. right? I mean, that could happen. You shoot guns in a hay. People do that. They do? Yeah. They shoot guns in a hay. <laughs> Joe's like, these are all things I fucking don't know. Yeah. Now they're recording at night and I'm drinking more. I'm like, this is fucked up. <laughs> yeah, it's fun, right? This is a fun case. I love the ones that we get a little bit of humor in, so this is totally up my alley. I mean, I like the serious ones too, but this is a good time. Um, why is it doing that, David? I mean, did they do like a psychological evaluation on that, <laughs> that guy? Like... Just the horse, or is it just the horse? Just the horse. Just they the just horse. did on the horse. <laughs> The, the five-factor model whose conscientiousness <laughs> is extra virgin. Yep. They were afraid she was going to kill him, so they got her off, took the horse off property, and we're like, this horse is, is going down. Mm. Patricia is a killer. Do, 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 do. Anyways, um, the case takes a turn when they receive a tip from a friend of Chris's. It's not the horse. <laughs> it's not the horse. <laughs> it's the He's first thing he says. for the fucking horse. <laughs> Guys, fucking Hannah is innocent. Uh, the friend calls the police once he hears of Neil's passing. The source tells police that Chris told him he was going to kill Neil. He then drops the bomb on the investigation and tells them that he also mentioned his mom asked him to do it. He originally thought this was just crazy talk. You know, Chris does drugs. Chris is a little out there. Because He's... obviously the horse had more motive. Got yeah. it. <laughs> Correct. Not, not the son. Who was made to dig ditches and do crazy shit and got kicked out of the house. And, and does cocaine and lives in his car. And, and does yeah. cocaine. He has one more piece of information the cops love, that Chris owns the twenty-two caliber gun. Oh, but he could have just been practicing. Yeah. Could have been practicing yeah. shooting at his parents. That's literally what comes up next. At this time, they do not have cause of death. So they're like, you know what? He could have just been shooting at his mom's any other day. So let's just hold off on that piece, but we're going to keep it in our pocket. Now, but once the police receive the autopsy, it states that Neil was shot seven times in the head, then repeatedly beaten okay. with a pipe. All right, wait a minute. So he was shot seven times in the head. and <laughs> Seven times. They didn't notice. No, because the beating was so severe. They said that the oh, okay. the pipe was so severe. But the problem with this is when you think about shooting somebody, like, versus hitting somebody with a pipe, you know, the 
bullet's going to transfer through, but it's moving at such a high rate, rate of speed that the blood splatter is really going to, it's going to be very noticeably different than hitting somebody with a pipe or getting hit, kicked by a horse. I right. mean, blood splatter should be very apparent when it comes from a gun hmm. versus when it comes from something like just, you know, being I also was picturing a ton of blood at the scene well, because seven shots plus beat with a pipe, those are all bloody things. Well, beating with a pipe, yeah. right? So, like, you're down, and then when you come back up, there should be splatter Splatters. up and across the walls. I mean, I don't know about a horse uh, doing it, but, like, which is different, per your point, Dave, than a gun. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So you'd think they'd notice. And then once you're post-mortem, depending on how long it takes you to die, but generally if you've been shot in the head, it's not very long. Really, you think about the splatter is it's more... Because the blood's not going to spurt anymore out of your body once your heart stops pumping and the blood stops circulating. But when you bang on something that has liquid, obviously, it splashes. Going everywhere. So it becomes more of a splash than a splatter. And the cops are there, like, the next day. So this all happened at, like, 11-something the night before. So they're there at breakfast time. So it's a good 10 hours later. So that blood's probably dried everywhere. Yeah. I mean, it's January, so it's cold. It's a good thing it was in the barn, not in the house. Then you got to clean up that shit. Yeah. True. I did watch a podcast of a girl that like likes to go to ex-murder places, and she was walking around the house. Nobody lives there right now, guys, if you want to go. Oh, interesting. That, would be, that cool. would be kind of cool, actually. Yeah. yeah. Go said, into the barn and see what it looks like. Yeah, yeah she said it's abandoned and there's a no trespassing sign, so, but just go. I, I could see why they get a big horse. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, beware of horse. <laughs> beware of horse. <laughs> we should leave a beware of horse sign there. <laughs> uh, that's our hashtag. That's our hashtag. We need one for every episode, so. Um, now the police set their sights on interviewing Chris. He stated. He is staying right down the road from his mother at a local hotel. Upon arrival, police noticed that Chris is extremely shaky and he still has blood on his clothes. <laughs> this guy is so smart, right? Because he also has blood in his car and in the hotel room. So cops are literally just listening to him talk going, oh my God, you're so stupid. Well, maybe he's a city, uh, a resident of the city of Gardner whose fucking water keeps going out. <laughs> that could be true. That could be true. Jesus no water. fucking Christ. I mean, he to, uh, and another side story, to get this hotel, he stole money out of the register to pay for this hotel. Oh, I would have thought oh. his dad. So. No. Well, his mother was footing yeah. the bill, so she said, just go to the restaurant, take money out of the register, get yourself a hotel, and then you can do it and go right back to the hotel because mm. it's so close to their property. Because she didn't want him living in his car that night, you oh. know. Give him a room for one night. There you go. She's such a good mother. Such <laughs> a good mother, you know. Chris immediately denies everything. He paints this picture of a life with his stepfather, even complimenting Neil. Chris goes so far to say that he was strict, but it's just what they needed. They weren't the easiest kids. Oh, such so a nice sweet guy. Yeah, they weren't really the easiest kids when you think about it. I mean, kids can be easier if they don't shoot you or beat you to death with a pipe. So, I mean, he's got a point. That is true. You know, the, or do cocaine, skip case. school. Like, all these things they were doing are definitely not easy, you know? I the, agree. The police arrest Chris and bring him to the station. He remains faithful to his statements for quite a while, but then he finally breaks. Chris confesses to murdering his stepfather. He tells them he did it for his mom, not because she asked, but because Neil was abusing her. He says he acted completely alone and mom knew nothing about it. Chris then draws a map to where he hid the gun. Police then take the map and it's perfect. The gun is right where Chris stated. Now the police have the who, what, why, and now they're 
No, the who, what, and when, but they're looking for the why. And not the horse anymore. Not the horse anymore. They've stopped mm. looking at him. That's good. Her. Her. Sorry, her. her yeah. Hannah. The police decide to pay Patricia another visit. When told about Chris, Patricia makes the weirdest statement. Quote, geez, I know they hated each other, but I never could have imagined Christopher doing this. She then immediately starts to say that Chris is a liar. He tells exaggerated stories. They shouldn't believe him. Their instincts are that she's worried that Chris told her about her possible involvement. Hmm. The police then turn to Amanda, her daughter. I don't know if you remember that, but um, yeah, you, she hasn't been a it. part of her story, this story so far. She says no way her mother or brother did anything. They leave, but they know there's something off and Amanda, with Amanda and her whole family. Police decide to get creative. They're aware that Amanda's boyfriend is incarcerated. They know she goes to visit and calls all the time. They know the conversations are taped. They subpoena these records, and bingo. Wow. The day of the murder. <laughs> On January 29th, Amanda says in a conversation to her boyfriend, the thing my brother says is going to happen, it's going to happen tonight. <laughs> <laughs> my mom says if it the doesn't happen, do she's it. just gone. Oh, my God. Oh. So fucking stupid. Like, how do you not know? Like, I worked at the prison, and I read those letters. Every piece of communication... Going in and out is red. Well, these are cops who pondered on whether or not a horse did it. So I feel like she had no reason to be afraid. Yeah, no reason to be afraid. <laughs> they keep looking through the tapes, figuring, you know what, maybe there's some more incriminating information here. And there is. <laughs> of course there is. There's a call where her boyfriend is worried, and she responds, I, I want to do an accent so bad, but I'm not going to because I'm going to sound horrible. Why the fuck you think I'm going to get conspiracy on me? That's a quote. He responds, because you knew about the fucking crime. <laughs> that would be kind of a, that a would reason. Be why. Yeah, that's a good reason. And because you recorded it with me right now. <laughs> because Stupid you've girl. told the police right now. <laughs> Please state your name, age, and... <laughs> the these people are weird, man. So stupid. Again, there's a lot of drugs going around, mm -hmm. so the, the, the thought process here is not great. The police then take these taped conversations and they confront Amanda. She quickly changes her tune. Mm -hmm. She's all over the place, but her information is very damaging. Um, this part of the interview, she like shoots out weird things, so I was telling David, it's kind of almost like whatever came into her brain. I can't wait to hear. She just said, so here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Amanda says that when her boyfriend went to jail, her mom reached out. Patricia asked her on a few occasions to kill, some, to kill Neil. Amanda was not hanging out with the best crowd, and Patricia felt this was the opportunity to get what she wanted. Neil dead. Amanda repeatedly said no and did not help her. She then mentioned, oh, by the way, did I tell you that Patricia bought that twenty-two for Chris? When the cops arrested Chris, Patricia told Amanda that she was not worried. And uh, Patricia told Amanda that she was not worried. And Amanda shouldn't be either. Patricia felt that Chris would never rat them out. He loved them too much. <laughs> Poor Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Patricia said, even bragged, I watch shows. I know this. We're all set. He's never going to bust us. <laughs> I watch shows, too. I saw this on Law and Order once. They, they knew it was the horse, and they got that horse. It sounds more like a Supernatural episode, actually. Yeah. Dude, mm. this chick is so funny. Like, we have to go meet her. Now, as I'm reading this again, 
<laughs> it would be tempting, like cocktails, so mocktails, and crimes goes to MCI framing him. <laughs> yeah, like come on, it would be fun, right? It would be. I think I should write her a letter. Yeah. I think you totally should. Are you yeah. kidding? Just, just know they'll read it. That's okay. <laughs> I used yeah. to read them, and the only ones I couldn't read were the ones that were in Spanish. So, but it was fun. I mean, you got to read some crazy shit, mm. especially like girlfriends. Like, let's be honest for a moment. Like, if you're in jail and your girlfriend sends you a sex letter, you know everybody is reading that, and I gotta hand it to this guy. Like, hey, <laughs> guess what you just got? Like, <laughs> Still a sex letter. Yeah, I'm 22 years old. Handling it's not appropriate. Mm. My boss hated it. Anyways, <clears throat> <laughs> the police now arrest Patricia. <laughs> Weird. Yeah, you didn't know, see that coming, did you? Was it for um, attempted murder on a horse? <laughs> <laughs> because I feel like that's a crime. Attempted murder on a horse. I fucking awesome. love it. Uh, both kids will testify against their mother. Amanda testifies that for over a year, her mother has been obsessed with murdering Neil. To the point, Amanda was craving a normal conversation with her mother. <laughs> she cries in court. Watch the video. So sad. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I crave a normal conversation with my crazy mom. Uh, Chris testifies and tells his story simply. On January 9th at 11 p.m., he shot Neil and beat him to death. He said he then went into the house to tell his mother it was done. He tells his court that his mom was the mastermind. He talks of her painting herself as the victim when she was manipulating everyone, him, Amanda, and even Neil. Chris tells the story that his mother and was... Hannah. <laughs> <laughs> and Hannah. We should throw Hannah in there. I'm sorry. Yeah. Chris tells the story of his mother telling him how Neil was abusive and he needed to protect his mom. She even tells Chris that after Neil is dead, that they, Chris and Amanda, can come home where they belong, that Neil never had the right to kick them out. This was their home, too. Um, Neil paid for it, bitch. Oh, hold on, sorry. Well, I just have a question, actually. Was he abusive? Because it does sound like he was a bit of a nut with that hole digging and then filling back in mm. shit. There's no proof that he was abusive. I would imagine he was probably slightly abusive, but this sounds like more she's just a narcissist that wanted money. Mm, okay. She's actually said that he wasn't in a couple interviews, but then she also says he was in some, so like... And we'll never know. Well, no, we will when we go to MCI framing him, Steve. When we talk to the horse. <laughs> the horse knows. Yeah, it's probably Hannah. dead. She's yeah. 31. It was 2005. Like, <laughs> how long do horses live? Like, yeah, how long do horses live? Craig, that's your job to Google there. How yeah. long do horses live? <laughs> I mean, I've always liked horses, but I'm actually, I'm kind of nervous around horses. Like, because if I was a horse. They're so powerful. They yeah. could shoot you. <laughs> And if I was a horse and, like, a person came near, I, I would so kick them. Like, anybody that's going to jump on my back, you are getting kicked, motherfucker. There you go. <laughs> so, to answer your question, the lifespan is 25 to 30 years. Oh, so that was an old Hannah was on her very last leg. That's what she was saying with the hot, can't lift Which her leg. why she couldn't mm. lift up her leg to Makes beat sense. that. Yeah, she was 31. Uh, you know... This is where this woman's starting to fade from being my hero. Because she should have thought of that. Right? <laughs> the it, horse, it was horse the horse. was young. Oh. And there was an able-bodied dog. Yeah. Yeah. And the dog's going to be able to kind of pull a trigger. Like, exactly. Know. Harley would have done your fucking taxes for a treat, so. 
You, you have half, a, or half of it already with Scoobies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Scooby. They fucking rip your heart out right now if we open the door. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> Steve, please, no. No, no, no. I'm the first body that she can fight. <laughs> All right. So now let's talk motive, guys. Only for a moment because there really isn't one here. She's just kind of like crazy. Evidently. Yeah. But the one that the cops believe is money. Um, everything they have is about to be taken from them. Patricia's restaurant, Neil's sign business, and their home. Patricia had taken money from everywhere and paid nothing. She even called Neil's brother and borrowed $45,000 to float them, but it was a sinking ship. Patricia did the books, so Neil had no idea. That was until January 7th, just two days before the murder. Neil was pulled over by the police and told he had no insurance. They towed his car from the scene and made him get a ride home. Upon arriving home, he found out that Patricia had stopped paying not only that bill, but all the bills. He then learned their cars, their home, their businesses, everything was going away. Well, not everything. Guess what the one bill she paid was? The bet? His, his life insurance. Oh. <laughs> Close. Close. The only that's bill she paid. Got to make sure that's up to date because mm. I've been planning this for over a year. Need that horse alive. He's going to take the blame. I'm taking the money. <laughs> Fuck Neil. Uh, Patricia was sentenced to life. Murder in the first degree with no chance of parole. This was upheld after she appealed to the Massachusetts State Court. She officially resides at MCI Framingham, Massachusetts and is open to interviews. Great. Chris, under plea agreement, was only sentenced to murder in the second degree with chance of parole. And on December 17th, 2019, parole was granted. Weird. Oh, so he's walking the streets. Wow. He is walking the streets. So this is where Dave and I kind of put like something weird at the end. We found the whole parole hearing notes, which are kind of interesting. Um, and it kind of sh- paints a picture of Chris's true personality. Yeah, I think Chris is full of shit here. Oh, and I'm surprised that, is that not the, me saying that. The, the, the parole board has actually let him out of prison because a lot of his statements are just, they make, they really make no sense and they show no sense of responsibility to what he did. Now, we might just be seeing a very small portion. Maybe there was more testimony, but there are things like he indicates Neil was abusive. His real father was abusive, but he adored and his mother and she was his life. So that would be very rare for a child to be have two abusive fathers and actually um, in most cases like that, what you would have is a lot of hatred towards the mother and women and a lot of submissiveness towards men. Um, and kind of, so that's more common in that kind of scenario. So it's a little unusual that he says that. Um, there were just a lot of other things that he makes, kind of, um, statements that are just clearly not within, like, I really have reflected on what happened here and I have remorse for it. I don't believe he has any remorse. Well, the remorse question's interesting for me, but, like, dad's had multiple abusive step fathers and he didn't have a lot of you know what I mean like he didn't have animosity towards his mother or the stepfather so um so well he almost killed one of his stepfathers yeah but I mean he didn't I mean as far as like 
this pathological animosity that you know Neil yeah. is having is a lot different than um, what is typical in that type of situation. Usually when, and, and granted not always, but usually when a male is abused by a father and the mother is present, they will tend to have more anger towards the mother. Not the father. Yeah, we in talked most about that cases. last week yeah. too, didn't we? We did, yeah, because yeah. he kills his mom, but not the dad, and we were all like, "Why? Yeah, the dad was exactly. abusive." And vice versa too. If a child is being abused by their mothers, they will oftentimes be more hostile towards males than yeah. females. So it's kind of an interesting psychology, and when you, you know, because I mean, how anybody responds to abuse is always going to be different, but this is looks like animosity here. And when you have that type of rage and animosity, it's usually going to be directed not towards the abuser. There's kind of almost like it's not the same as Stockholm Syndrome per se, but it has a similar kind of feel as Stockholm Syndrome where you sympathize with an abuser versus um, actually really reflecting the right anger. And this is a natural survival response, though, when you think about it, because it's the abuser that really threatens you, not the mother. So it's easier to direct anger and rage towards something that's not a threat than rage towards something that is a threat that overpowers you. Mm -hmm. so. so I copied the notes here. I'm going to read them okay. real quick. You guys have time, right? Mm, maybe. It's not long. It's like three paragraphs. But I'll try to read quickly. But you can no, interrupt okay. if you'd like because... I do like interruptions. <laughs> All right, so without here's the, apology, without apology, just fucking say I'm I'm interrupting. Yeah, snowflakes. <laughs> so on December seventeenth, two thousand nineteen, Christopher Robinson, a thirty-five-year-old, appeared before the parole board for his initial hearing. He was not represented by counsel. In his opening statement to the board, Mr. Robinson apologized to the Olson family. Board members noted that the governing offense was Mr. Robinson's only criminal conviction. When questioned about his childhood, Mr. Robinson said that he grew up in Vermont and moved to Massachusetts after his parents divorced. He was abused as a child by both his father and his stepfather, but stating that his mother was my world and that he would have done anything for her. At the suggestion of his stepfather, he left school in 10th grade and received poor grades. After receiving poor grades, sorry. He drank alcohol once. Liar. And smoke marijuana twice. This dude, yeah, see, whenever this you start... The, the full of shit yeah. stuff comes in. Yeah. It's like... And his dad made him leave school. Like, uh, See, it's one, it's one thing to have like one statement that seems like maybe that's not true, but when you have a series of it, yeah. then I, try, I tend to start thinking more online of not true, not true, and he's probably more of a normal... A normal response to abuse here, if there even was abuse. Yeah. Um, I'm not convinced that it, there was over physical abuse. I mean, well, the odds are in his favor. The odds are in his favor because he gets odds out. Be ever in your favor. So he's on, now we're at the part where he's only smoking marijuana twice, right, guys? And he did not like the effects and never used after that because marijuana too. is so bad. So bad. Mm. <laughs> it is a gateway drug. It is a gateway drug. <laughs> to murder. Two murders. Two horse murders. Horse tranks. <laughs> Tylenol PM. <laughs> Three. Soon after he left school, he became a father. 
This oh. part really didn't get put in before, so that's why I thought this was kind of interesting. And moved in with the mother of his daughter. She asked him to leave, however, after he cheated on her and informed her of his thoughts of sleeping, of helping his mother kill his stepfather. Oh. So you bring this up in a, what? Like, yeah. it's just a weird thing to bring up. Like, why would you even, like, I moved in with her, but then I cheated. And then I told her that I was going to kill my stepfather, so she kicked me out. Like, it's a weird sense of things you're telling people. But it is a good reason to kick him out. Mm. It is a good reason. <laughs> I agree with that. It's just, like, you're not going to admit to smoking pot, but you're going to admit to... It's just a weird... Some men are really dumb. Yeah. No, I agree. <laughs> After the murder, Mr. Robinson was homeless. When board members questioned him about his governing offense, he explained that his mother had accused Mr. Olson of abusing her and was persistent in asking him to kill her husband. Further, she had taken him to buy a machete to use in the murder. Did not use it, though. And then suggested ways to make it look like an accident. What is <laughs> the horse. The horse. <laughs> we'll shoot him in front of the horse. Fuck, the horse can't touch the machete. Let's get something else. What else can we use? What did they use the machete for? Nothing. I think he just had it for fun. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't want to play with a machete? Like, come on. I mean, not. I've never even seen one like really. Oh, I life. have one at home. Yeah, I was gonna you say. I think we have one at home. I have one at home. Wow. You're missing out. Would you like to see one, Joe? No. <laughs> I, can, I can bring it over. <laughs> just right. excuse the blood. Yeah. No. No blood on mine. Usually it's yeah, like I'm not tree surprised bark and shit has like that. a machete. <laughs> Mr. Robinson stated that on the night of the murder, his mother told him that Mr. Olson had physically abused her and struck his daughter. So when they're talking about where this happened, do they usually refer to it as Mr. Robinson's neighborhood? I know, right? <laughs> Every time they write Mr. Robinson, I was like, and his name is Christopher, too. Exactly. Like, Pooh Bear. Come on. Is this not Christopher Robin walking through the woods? <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> it's not. He does cocaine. Christopher Robin didn't go do cocaine. I don't think. To hell he didn't. <laughs> he loves honey. You remember that Caillou kid? I bet that his parents were such freaking addicts. <laughs> like there was something wrong with Caillou. That's there was something sure. really like if that was my kid, man, I would be my kid so was fucked yeah, up. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that, yeah. But wait, I I have a question. So okay. now that we've ruled out Pooh, um, <laughs> Pooh Bear and Tigger, we haven't ruled out Eeyore. Ah, oh, true. But um, I'm just wondering, like, so when the mom calls him and says he that the stepdad just beat up her and his own daughter. Eight-month-old at this time. Did, didn't did he know that his eight-month-old daughter was nowhere near them? No, I guess they took him all the time. Oh, so did they? She she had a relationship with his ex. Oh, okay. So right. she did babysit. I'm not sure who gave her like rights to do this. I would never. Like, At one uh, in the morning I, after four glasses really of wine and three. I really highly doubt anything he's telling them is even remotely Yeah, this true. doesn't even sound and right. that's the thing. It's... it's the story doesn't make sense. Like the mother of the child is not going to, if if you brought back, some, you know, your, well, I won't say anybody else's name, but if the grandparents of your ex, if you had a child and an ex, brought back a child that was clearly had been abused to a mother, the mother would notice. I would assume. You know, I would assume. And the mother would, most mothers would not be like, oh, well, that's okay. Well, even look at before where he says that she left him because he told her about the plot. 
Yeah, exactly. Why would she give her the yeah. baby? And like, why this is the murderous plot lady. Make any sense. And why would anybody, if he really has remorse for what he's done, implicate the mother of his child that yeah. raised his child without him because he committed a homicide? But he's actually implicating her as having knowledge of the crime. While she's never going to get charged, but he is actually pointing some finger towards yeah. her. And it, it just, it, it, I don't know. I, I don't like the fact that he was successfully given parole here. Yeah, I guess so. But And I think maybe we're giving either. him too much credit because these are people who thought they could blame a horse for murder. <laughs> well, but. I just think it's great. I agree with David in this. At the end of this, I'm going to say that pretty much that I feel like she's still in prison and she didn't actually commit the murder. Hmm. And he is out, and he did do the murder. Like that, that is an a lot, interesting. Though. Didn't that happen with Pam Smart? Indeed. The boys yep. who committed the crime are all out, but she is not. And she's never right. getting out yeah. either, and she just uh, lost a court hearing. Yep. Yeah, that's another. I hope David uh, does that eventually. And she does. She didn't do it. Like she didn't yeah. commit the murder. But, yeah. Yeah. But the boys who did, they're out. They're out. But they did have remorse. That is one thing I will say. The boys did in that case did seem to have genuine remorse for How what How old they are they did. in that? Do you remember? Uh, so this 16. happened in 1990. They were in high yeah, school. they were around 16, 16 at the time. Yeah, this so. guy's 19. So he was an adult yeah. when he did this. They were 16 so that, yeah. I mean, they're juveniles so the rules are different, right? Yeah. Could be. Yeah, and I, I think the big thing here is, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of giving anybody parole after first degree murder, honestly. But if you are one of my criterion would be that they have true, genuine, actual remorse for yeah. what they did. And if you don't, then you should not be let out of prison. Well, doesn't that take some kind of, like, empathy? It does take empathy. So they you, say he you, felt, but the parole board says they think he had it. But if you don't have empathy, but you, you do feel remorse. Maybe so there is such you. a thing as cognitive empathy. And cognitive empathy... Dude, you know a lot is, of shit. Is, <laughs> I know, Dan, right? Is the ability to emulate em empathy and really understand what people feel, but you don't really have an actual, like, emotional... Like, if you said, like, you know, you were hurting for some reason, I might feel for you. But a person with cognitive empathy doesn't ever feel for somebody, but they can often be an individual who can understand it at such a deep level. In fact, if you ever look up the, the term dark empath, it's basically with somebody who is highly in the dark triad, which is uh, psychopathy, narcissism, or I can never say the word Machiavellianism. Machiavellian? Wait, how, Craig, say it. No, you had it. Oh, Machiavellian. I did. Machiavellian. Yeah, I have. Craig said a mic and hasn't talked much all night. I just noticed that. When you when you mix that with dark empathy with uh, cognitive empathy, you get a dark empath, and that person is extremely dangerous. Hmm. Um, that should be the name of a yeah. show: Dark Empath. Yeah. It's a good name. Or a band. That's a good band mm. name. Yeah. All right, we're almost done. Mr. Robinson waited. In the barn. The other Mr. Robinson, by the way, that I think about is Eddie Murphy and Mr. Robinson. <laughs> <laughs> I keep thinking well, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you guys have ever seen that. Yeah, that was it's funny. It's fucking brilliant. Yeah. 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 Uh, he told the parole board that he waited in the barn for about 15 minutes. And when uh, Neil entered the barn, he shot him in the face. 
He described how he stood over Neil's body and continued to shoot him until he ran out of bullets. Then he decided to beat him with a metal pipe until he was sure he was dead. After the murder, Chris told his mother that he had killed her husband. She helped him hide the rifle. But what? not the Not pipe. the pipe. I don't know what she was thinking with the pipe. Like, if that has blood all over it, that probably would have been the more thing you should hide. Yeah, let's not yeah. hide this. Let's just put it near the horse. Yeah. <laughs> so stupid. Um, board members noted that... And um, she didn't tell him to change his clothes or shower or <laughs> no. any thing like that. No, don't clean yourself up or anything. I mean, <laughs> everybody walks around covered in blood. I mean, you know. Literally, how do you not change your clothes? That is the one thing that like throws me. Like, he did this at 11 p.m. They're not visiting him till 15 hours later, sometime in the afternoon the next day. Fucking change I, your clothes. Dude, I get sauce mention. on my shirt and I want to change it. Like, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm often amazed at the things that you don't think you have to explain to your children that you really do. So this one doesn't surprise me too much. Set me on fire. Like, take those clothes off. Fucking burn them. Take a shower. Like, I would have been with gallons of bleach. You would have not even... Same... Yes, but you wouldn't be killing somebody. Well, you never know. Well, Steve. yeah, but if you're going <laughs> I'm properly to, motivated, you know, Steve. we need to like Inferno. do like a book, like how to raise a proper murderer. <laughs> raise, oh Jesus, clean, clean, well, clean. exactly, because these people are fucking idiots. That's so dumb. Like I, I don't even know. Anyways, buy tons of overalls. Yeah. Buy tons of <laughs> disposable <laughs> clothing pants. Yeah. Yeah. Plastic Horses plastic are all over not the furniture. Good suspects. <laughs> Pick somebody else. Cats. Pick a random stranger like everybody else fucking does. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like one. cats could totally do cats it. Cats are assholes. Oh, yeah. cats I agree with will that. Do it. Mm. Yeah. If cats could shoot guns. Especially cats with the uh, thumbs. Because <laughs> then they can pull the trigger. Mm. Yeah. My well, cat, whenever he wants like I, I'll feed my cat like seven or eight times, but I'll come into the kitchen and he'll be like, yeah. and then he'll take his pot and he'll actually grab me with it. Um, like He's like, he's get the your bus. fucking ass yeah, over exactly. here and feed me, yeah. bitch. <laughs> yeah, Dave, assholes. I can't use the can opener. Fucking do it. Mm. <laughs> Dave is his cat's bitch. That's mm. interesting news. I kind of am, yeah. <laughs> As he walks by, the cat slaps him in the ass. <laughs> See ya. Stairs. <laughs> I'll show you my pussy. Steve. <laughs> oh, fuck. Oh, show you my pussy on that line. <laughs> the, board the board members note that Chris has not been found guilty of any disciplinary reports inside oh, the prison. He works it's a murder thing. <laughs> it's just a murder thing, right? Just that one Since thing. then, he's been good. <laughs> tiny, tiny little blip, but it's just a blip. He works oh a steady goodness. job in the metal shop, and he has completed extensive programming. Good. I like him. Chris explains that he is... <laughs> <laughs> he's a son who listens <laughs> he's the son every man wants to have the guy you hope your daughter brings home guys <laughs> with a <the> horse <laughs> <laughs> on horseback he just shows up uh, Chris explains that the restorative justice and emotional awareness were particularly helpful to him in addressing his childhood trauma that contributed to the murder of his stepfather same bro he also credited his participation in the Buddhist faith as helping him address his causative factors. Chris is asking for a step down to a lower security for 18 months before returning to live with his wife in their home in Minneapolis. 
I would you like to be that wife? My yeah. God. I the what wife, wife thing. Where the, who the fuck is this woman? Yeah. Me and Dave said it last night. One of those lunatics that marries like yeah. criminals, like because who is this? Because yeah. he's leaving Massachusetts to go to Minneapolis. Like this is some bitch that's like, dude, I saw you on the news. <laughs> and not to say, I mean, I get, I get it. You know, they're like, it can be hard to meet people, but prison. <laughs> Tinder fucking sucks. <laughs> like, she swiped left. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I'll be out in a little bit, guys. <laughs> She went to the horse, horsedidit.com. <laughs> no, like... uh, he has a strong family community and support in this area. Chris says that he would like to rely on the reentry programs that Minneapolis has to offer. They have a strong Buddhist communal spiritual community, and his parole officer says that he will have successful reentry into society. That sounds weird. They also have the Mall of America, FYI. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they have lots of shopping. Mm. His father, his real father, and his wife testified at the parole hearing, and they were in support. The victim's family was not. They testified Weird. against him. Really? <laughs> so the last quick Some part of this. just have no sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> you killed my brother, you motherfucker. No, it's like a horse. Yeah, it, the, it's uh, more like you blame my fucking horse. Exactly. This yeah. is totally a Princess Bride thing. What is the you killed my father, prepare uh, to die? Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. My name is Indigo Montoya. Yeah. Yes. You killed my father. You killed my horse, prepare to die. <laughs> That's what they said at the hearing, guys. That's a good movie. I hope so. That's <laughs> that fucking awesome. Yeah. So here's the quick decision. Uh, in the opinion of the board, Christopher Robinson has demonstrated a level of rehabilitative progress that would make his release compatible with the welfare of society. The board was made oh. up of Pooh Bear, Piglet, Eeyore, <laughs> and Tigger. <laughs> <laughs> we feel that a completion of the 18 months lower security would be very much in Mr. Robinson's benefit. Same. Mr. Robinson did murder his stepfather in 2005. <laughs> he did kill somebody. <laughs> he did kill him. However, with his mother as his co-defendant, she is serving a first-degree life sentence at MCI Framingham. So they reestate that she's still in jail. So that and makes they don't sense. Fucking care. He did it, but she's in jail. So why mm. put two why people put in jail? Two people? Oh, you know, it was people. only one victim. It's an eye for an eye, right? You gotta kill two right, it's not like four eyes for an <laughs> eye, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Makes sense. I like it. Uh, I love Western <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Robin has completed a number of programs to his address, and his causative factors have shown his commitment. He has adjusted and has been exemplary. Great. A release He's after a, a gradual. prisoners. I just. This is he, so crazy. He could be Prison Mike. Do you is guys he a know Prison Mike saint? from The Office? He could be Prison Mike from The Office. Oh, I do. Oh, I was Prison like, Mike. <laughs> Oh, I gotta watch that show again. <laughs> a release after a gradual transition meets the legal standard, and we feel is okay. Great. They're so full of themselves. My mm -hmm. God. Yeah. Well, he doesn't have any more stepdads, so. And as long yeah, as he yeah. doesn't <laughs> live in here anymore. Nobody horses. else for him to kill. <laughs> <laughs> Let him out. So the last bit is the couple conditions they put on, and then we'll be done. I promise. So Chris is sent to the interstate. No killing. <laughs> no killing. It is listed here, but um, <laughs> I'm glad they called. Let's that not reoffend, though. I think is the thing that they say. But let's, let's, sure. not, let's not reoffend, yeah. shall we? Can we just, you know, keep it to one murder? That would be awesome. Other crimes, okay, but this one you've done, it's done. If shoplifting, okay. 
burglary. Sure, why not? A little bit of cooking. They're, they're trying to fill in one more bullet point. What should we put there? <laughs> the form says, yeah. you know, the template. Yeah. Chris has sent us something called Interstate Compact in Minnesota. He does a lower security program for 18 months. The special conditions are um, must be home between 10 p.m. and 6 a.m. He has an electric monitor on him. He must be prescribed medication, supervised for drugs, testing in accordance with his policy, supervised for alcohol abstinence, testing in accordance with his policy, report to parole officer on day of release, no contact or association with his mother, <laughs> no contact with the victim's family, must have a mental health counseling for adjustment transition and is bipolar slash anxiety. Must have a substance abuse evaluation and adhere to said plan. I thought he only did pot what, twice. Yeah, pot twice. I mean, yeah. why does he need substance abuse yeah. if they believe him? Uh, and they're giving him medication. Yeah. Yep, for his bipolar slash anxiety. Same dude. Yeah. I mean, no contact with the victim's family. That technically means no contact with himself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was. Your sister. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, cannot hang out with yourself in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> no self reflection. Word. Greg, you've been so quiet. But they didn't put Say any. Something. Don't stay away from horses. I know, yeah. <laughs> No equestrians. <laughs> no, no pussy equestrian. for you. <laughs> <laughs> That's inappropriate. <laughs> Grossly, actually. <laughs> you guys haven't had the right... <laughs> okay, you're right. I have not had a cat. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I, didn't, I, was gonna I don't even that. like cats. Cats are yucky. <laughs> it's funny how you read my mind. <laughs> Craig, you're gonna say. Craig, what were you gonna say? No, actually, I wasn't. <laughs> you guys got this. No, no, we would like your opinion. You have a mic. It's this is called like but the Craig closing. allergic closing. to cats. Yeah. <laughs> what's your favorite cat? <laughs> I thought you were gonna say, "What's your favorite pussy?" And dude, I was gonna lose it. Uh, I'm partial to Sylvester, actually. <laughs> <laughs> you want to know my favorite duck? <laughs> Where did ducks come from? Is it Darkwing Duck? Because I feel like Darkwing Duck is much cooler. Darkwing Not a bad duck. choice. I'm a big Daffy fan myself. Oh, oh I was God. Blocky. Blocky? What the fuck is Blocky? I don't know. Blocky Duck was on Tiny Toons. Didn't you ever watch Tiny Toons and I, they had I do remember. I don't think so. Don't but know. Darkwing Duck would let's get yeah. dangerous. I, I Darkwing like Duck. When there's trouble, you call DW. Mm. It's a good theme song. <laughs> Great theme song, and he's got the cape. Yeah. And it's Sorry. a tie into DuckTales. You know, yeah, it is. Craig, you're saying your opinion. Back to, back to Craig. Yeah, you, you asked for a duck. <laughs> Craig's closing. Duck. My opinion can fairly well be summed up in, um, it's great that there are some criminals that are actually this stupid. Oh, my God. God, it actually is kind of good news. It's not the criminals that bother me in this case, like blaming a horse. It's really creative writing, honestly. It's creative awesome. writing, love it. But the cops who were like, hmm. <laughs> for ten minutes. Yeah, even for like eighteen seconds is too long to be like. Maybe the horse didn't do it. <laughs> you know what, guys? This could be a horse killing. <laughs> like. Creative writing it. I was picturing that when they were hanging out, like smoking pot, 
doing yeah, cocaine and being like, you know what, guys? Let's blame the horse. Exactly. It's brilliant. Horses are assholes. So like, I like that. Yeah, I feel like that makes sense. They they did that. They stuck with it. I like mm. that they were even like, maybe we should put the horse down in case she does it again. <laughs> like, or in case she talks. In case of the horse interpreter. <laughs> that shows good logic yeah. thought yeah. process. But the cops who were like, you know, Maybe. Well, this guy has motive with crime and money and all that, but mm, could have been the horse. Yeah. Like, I don't. Maybe there's a string of these, like Dale down the street, you know, <laughs> running with the horse. You know? Dale down the street. <laughs> What's Dale's horse's name? Is it still Hannah? Is she just the bitch that goes around fucking doing everything? That Hannah. Or, Hannah. Or she. She could have been Fucking like the, the Tony Soprano of horses. <laughs> yeah. That's why she was so old. She or, watched the neighborhood like... That's why she was so old. She like had her yeah. fillies. This is where Craig's theme song could come in. Those little buttons. You could yeah. have had the Sopranos playing. Yeah, you could play a sound effect right now. Yeah, right now. Yep, send me your sound effects. <laughs> send me your pre-designed jokes. Oh, I'll send you my cat sound effects. <laughs> Dad, dad made a cat sound effect. Oh, my God. And the sex sound effect. The sex sound effect was weird. That was... <laughs> was, that, was that last week? That crazy. Was last week. Oh, that was funny. He was talking crazy. about the uh, self-harm he did masturbating oh, to God. whoever. Yeah. In yeah, front of your son. <laughs> yep. Oh, yep. Who was weird. so hungover, he's like, what the fuck? <laughs> I wish I was that hungover. I know, I he's like, I'm like I drank till four, and then I got up at six to come here. I was like, oh, my God, remember those days? <laughs> it's funny how I said, and your son was there. When, meanwhile, his daughter is right there. Is right, and his son. And his son, <laughs> True. both in the room. It was but funny. the daughter's worse. <laughs> the daughter is worse. I laughed. <laughs> All right, we're signing off? I think we are. So next week is Craig. Craig. Who doesn't say anything. Yes, we get to go over the marathon bombing, primarily focusing on Joe Arsenayev, somewhat on his brother Tamerlan. Uh, I think we all know the broad strokes of it, but this will be more about what the hell is wrong with these boys in the first place. Mm. Mm -hmm. Deeper look. Yeah, and it's interesting that Craig, who has never wanted to participate, now wants to tell his own story even. So, yeah, I know. It'll be really exciting. And then uh, I'm... Well, Grace and I will call into that one. So yep. we don't know how the drink of the week is going to go because she and I will drink whatever we want because we're going away for the weekend. Yeah. And you the boys are tanks. on their own. Well, it depends when you guys film because. Yeah, I know. <laughs> if you film at a good time, it could be good. But these boys will be on their own, which means they'll probably be drinking Bud Light. Yeah, I don't drink light beer. <laughs> it drinks the hard stuff, Budweiser. <laughs> <laughs> So we'll see. The king of beers. Yeah. And then I've got a story the week after, and then Dave is going to cover the insurrection at the end of the month. So, yeah. Should be an exciting week. Weeks coming up, I should have said. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Bye, guys. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to us on this episode of Cocktails, Mocktails, and Crime. Be sure to subscribe in your favorite app so you don't miss an episode. You can also send us an email to cocktails, mocktails, and crime at gmail.com. Or follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Cocktails, Mocktails, and Crime. Or Twitter at CMCrime1. See you all next week.